Hello and welcome to the Desperate and Appalling podcast series. My name is Paul Sloan and together with my co-author Des McHale we've written a number of books ranging from uh, lateral thinking puzzles, mathematical lateral thinking puzzles, world's best word puzzles, one, two, three, four, wacky, witty and wonderful words are some of the books we've written. And in this series of podcasts, we chat about puzzles, situations, words, anything that takes our fancy. So please sit back, enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, come back and listen to some more. Good morning, Des. How are you today? Very well. Good, good. Uh, the last episode, we left people with two word puzzles from uh, World's Best Word Puzzles, our book. And one was, what word starts with seven consonants and ends with nine? And that, that's a remarkable word, isn't it? And that's the other was, what country name of only six letters contains seven numbers? So I'll leave people to chew over those. I'll give the answers at the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. But I believe you've got a puzzle for me. Yeah, I just made up a little puzzle and you won't have heard of it, I think. Um, and it's a man who wanted to have some golf lessons. So he goes to the golf club and there are two coaches there that he can choose from. So he has a look at them and he immediately decides on one of them. Why? Is this to do with right-handedness or left-handedness? No, no. Oh, all right, I'll have a think about that. It's just the very look of the two coaches. The very look of the two coaches. Are they both with, men? They're both men, yes. Without ever seeing them swing a golf club, he decides on one of them. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. Right, I'll have a think about that. Uh, now, we're going to talk this week uh, about our book, uh, One, Two, Three, Four, Wacky, Witty and Wonderful Words, which we published uh, earlier this year. And it's in aid of Step by Step, a charity which helps disadvantaged um, young people. Uh, it's available on Amazon and all good bookstores. And it's got some terrific words in it. Um, and we're going to look at some beginning with B and C today. And I might mention the word bimbo. And bimbo is a disparaging term for an attractive but stupid woman from the Italian bambino, a baby. And another word which appears in the book is himbo, which is a feminist <laughs> word referring to a good looking but stupid man. So it's a sort <laughs> well, of response them, really? to bimbo. <laughs> Well, I, I have a particular liking, being a humorist of sorts, I have a particular liking for words that are funny. And what you do is you take a well-known word and you try and find some funny aspect of it, or if the sound of it reminds you of something funny. So in particular, I like bagpipes, which is the missing link between music and noise. I like barbecue, which is a line of people outside the hairdressers. And that's, <laughs> and that's very good, I think, during the present lockdown. I mean, you've seen the most appalling haircut, not just Boris Johnson, the most appalling haircuts all over the place. A bigamist, of course, is an Italian fog. You see it, the bigamist. Yeah. What about Bratwurst, which is the naughtiest child? <laughs> <laughs> but that we mustn't give the impression it's all clever uh, witticisms. There are many serious words in there. And um, the word book, for instance, comes from the old German word for beech, beech tree, bock, because messages were carved onto the soft pieces of beech wood. And interestingly enough, Latin and Sanskrit also have words for writing, which are based on tree names for birch and ash. And the French word for book, livre, comes from a Latin word for the tree bark. So all of those words in different languages for book go back to bits of trees. Well, that's something that comes out again and again, that you can get a lot of history from words. 
and you can see hidden meanings and look at things. And again, I'm afraid it's something that's not emphasized in school. They teach us how to use words, but they don't really teach us how to look at the origins of the background and the hidden information that's in there. I've just thought of another one, bipolar. That's a white bear. That's a white bear who goes on his holidays to Antarctica. <laughs> and there aren't any polar bears in Antarctica. It's funny, isn't there? <laughs> so one of which you put in was Borborygmus, a Borborygmus. Would you like to read the entry for that? Well, that's your the, the rumbles that your tummy makes, and you don't have any control over them. It can be quite embarrassing. Funnily enough, it's not as embarrassing as other bodily noises you can make. I mean, maybe it should join the ranks, but it's actually the basis of a limerick. And the limerick goes something like this. I sat next the Duchess at tea. It was just as I feared it would be. Her rumblings abdominal were simply phenomenal. And everyone thought it was me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a very good limerick. That's very nicely put together. And Here's a word from the bees. Botulism. It's a nasty form of food poisoning. And it's derived from the Latin word for sausage, botulus, because it was originally traced to eating tainted sausages. So every time you say botulus, mm -hmm. referring to tainted <laughs> sausages. That's very nice. And I, I've just been thinking about people say they're as unalike as chalk and cheese. But chalk and cheese have got something very much in common. And that is they're both very rich in calcium. Yes. So even when you say like chalk and cheese, meaning the opposites, they are very alike in another way. The bookkeeper is in here, and it says in the book that it's the only word with three consecutive sets of double letters. Mm -hmm. But of course, if the word sub-bookkeeper were allowed, then that would have four sets of double letters, double B, double O, double K, double E. But Amazing. most dictionaries don't give sub-bookkeeper, mm -hmm. but they do give bookkeeper as a single word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I particularly like words that are derived from other languages. And of course, being Irish, I'm very, there are very few Irish words in the English language. I mean, less than 100, certainly. But banshee is one of them. And banshee means a fairy woman. And the banshee was supposed to wail with a very strange and distinctive noise on the night before a death would take place in certain families. So the banshee is, is a very, very bad thing. On the other hand, lots of families have their own personal banshees who will wail for their, their family and only their family. So it's a sort of status symbol to have your own banshee. Bedlam I'm looking at, it's, it means a, a place of uproar, chaos or madness. And it's a corruption of Bethlehem Royal Hospital, which was a psychiatric institute in London. So instead of saying Bethlehem Royal Hospital, people say Bedlam, and that became a word meaning uproar or madness. That's amazing because, you know, people would use those words and have no idea of the connections. The connections between words is just as fascinating as the words themselves. Now, I think it's time for a joke, and I've got a very good joke for you this week. I think. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> it's about P.T. Barnum, the famous uh, freak show and circus owner. And uh, at one stage, he was exhibiting the Siamese twins, Cheng and Eng. And um, people came from far and wide to see these, these fantastic twins. You know, one woman came up to him and was asking all about the Siamese twins. And she said to Barnum, is it true that they're brothers? So Barnum could hardly resist a smile. And he said, yes, madam, it is true that the Siamese twins are brothers. And she said, wasn't it the mercy of God to make them brothers and not to join two total strangers together for life? <laughs> I, I, I think she must have been Irish because it's an Irish bull, really. And I mean, she must have, been a, must have been a Catholic as well because she thanked God for this wonderful phenomenon. Oh, very good. Well, I heard a report uh, this week uh, of um, 
a brave shop assistant who fought off a robber using only her labelling gun. And the police are now looking for the robber and they say it's, it's a man with a price on his head. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I mean, that's the essence of humour, to catch somebody from behind, to suddenly surprise them with the punchline that comes to nowhere. And uh, I, I like this when the same happens with words. If you use a word, I mean, that's the basis of a lot of punning, that a word suddenly comes in that you just connects things and makes you laugh. So I'm thinking about this, um, the man who goes into the golf pro shop and he sees two pros and he chooses one of them. And this is purely on physical appearance, is it? Purely on physical appearance, yes. Is it anything to do with what they are wearing? No. Is it to do with their faces? Yes. So their faces are different, but they're both men. Um, yes. And is it to do with hair? No. Is it to do with spectacles? No. But it is to do with their faces. If you just saw their faces, you could make this same decision. Yes. Okay. Well, you can. I'll ponder that for a moment while yeah, you yeah, um, yeah. choose another word for us, please. Yeah. I hate to say this, but you're so good at this because you you ask pertinent questions. I'm, not, I'm I'm probably good at making up puzzles, but you are so good at getting to the core. And I like that. Another word uh, I like is a carbuncle. Now, a carbuncle is a medical condition. It's an inflammatory lump on the body, but it's also a beautiful, precious stone. And it comes from the Latin carabunculus, a small coal, a very brightly burning ember. And I think that that's, that's very nice when you see a word having almost two completely different meanings, one of them nasty and the other one very positive. Yes, I was interested to see that Buenos Aires in Argentina means good winds. And while we're in South America, Montevideo in Uruguay means I see a mountain. Correct. La Paz, the capital of Bolivia, means peace. And Rio de Janeiro in Brazil means the January River. It was discovered in January 1502. And incidentally, Brazil, the country, is named after the nut and not the other way around. That's right. As Charlie's aunt says, Brazil, where the nuts come from. <laughs> and e Ecuador is so called because it lies on the equator. This capital Quito is right on the equator. Yes. Yeah. They're lovely, those um, explanations of countries. Yeah. And again, I, I keep emphasizing, I'd love to see children knowing more of this. Time. I know it's trivia information, but I'd love to see children knowing more of it because it shows interest and it shows something deeper than just knowing a word or knowing the name of somewhere. It, it's really coming to grips with what the meaning of a word is. I think that's the essence of, of word analysis and, and love of words. Okay, let's go back to this this golfer. So he sees the faces Ooh, of the two I professionals. I got you going here. I got you going. <laughs> uh, is it to do with their eyes? No. So one of them's not cross-eyed? No. Uh, would the same, if he was looking for a tennis coach would the, or, or a, a basketball coach, would the same choice have, have, have occurred very good question no it refers only to golf refers only to golf okay. pretty well only to golf i can't All right, think let, of me, another... let me think about that uh, while yeah, you yeah. give us another word did you know that the chinese word for cat is meow <laughs> <laughs> that's on a matter in action it is, yeah it is yeah 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 i love the word bridezilla a bridezilla is a very modern word. It's a bride-to-be who becomes neurotically obsessed with every detail of her <laughs> wedding. A combination, a portmanteau word, a combination of bride and the monster Godzilla. The girls are going to like us for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like the word cat gut because everybody thinks it comes from a cat, but it's not. It's the dried intestines of sheep or cattle used for the strings of musical instruments and old tennis rackets. The cat probably comes from the word cattle. So cat lovers can rest easy now. And cattle is an interesting word, isn't it? 
Cattle originally meant property from the old French chattel, from which we also get chattel. It came to mean livestock. Cattle is a plural word which has no singular form, like scissors. And you've got the cat's whiskers. Something that's very good, it's exceptionally good, is called the cat's whiskers. But why is that? In the, in the 1920s, when crystal wireless sets were in vogue, the sensitive fine wires that made contact to the crystal were known as cat's whiskers. And the more sensitive they were, the better reception. Hence, cat's whiskers. Very good. Did you know that cauliflower is the only vegetable which contains every vowel once and only once? It's so if you want to get your five vowels a day, eat cauliflower. <laughs> still doesn't taste nice, though, does it? <laughs> I love but cauliflower. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I've got something to admit to you now. I sneaked a word into our book. Hope you can't change it now at this stage. It's an acronym, CAWOT, C-A-U-W-O-T, and it stands for complete and utter waste of time, such as doing Sudoku puzzles. <laughs> so every time I finish a Sudoku puzzle, I write CAWOT at the top, <laughs> saying I could have spent my time much better. I'd like to see that word catching on because it's a very good word. There are lots of complete and utter wastes of time in life. There are, there are. Um, but the brain is working in its own fashion, so maybe that's good for you. Maybe it fends <laughs> off Alzheimer's. I don't know. There's a phenomenon that certain words have incorrect meanings or are used incorrectly, but they're used so often that they become standard English and sometimes appear in dictionary. And we've got one of them, it's celibate. Celibate technically means unmarried, but it is often used in the sense of not engaging in sexual activity, which is not quite the same thing. It's I not believe. quite the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. I'm a keen chess player and one of the words in the book is checkmate. And checkmate comes from the ancient Persian, shah. Matt, meaning the king is dead. Very nice. Right, so I'm still thinking about this golf guy. So he, he, <laughs> he sees these two professionals, he looks in their faces, and he decides that one of them would be a better professional. Well, I, I would call them coaches rather than professionals. That's the word I use first. I mean, all right. Professionals might but be. He thinks one of them would be, be a better teacher because of his yes. face. Is that, yeah, is that there are two people who give golf lessons in the club. And he's asked to choose between the two of them. He has a look at them and he said, yeah, we're going to have him. Was either of them wearing spectacles? No. Uh, a face mask? No. Were they wearing anything on their faces? No. Uh, was, uh, were they both of normal appearance? Yes. So there were no physical abnormalities? No abnormalities, but uh, there were some physical features. So what's a physical feature on the face? Is it to do with their nose? No. Look, you can actually make them twin brothers, if you like. Really? Not yeah. identical twins, though? Well, it could be identical twins, and it will still work. They could be identical. Yeah, that's good. That's good. No, we'll make them identical twins. We'll make them identical twins. Is it to well, do with something that happened to one of their faces, like a scar? Something that happened to one of their faces, not a scar. Something that happened to one of their faces, but it's not. But it's something that's physically obvious. Yes. All right, I'm going to get you. But you come back with a, a, another word while I think about that. Of course, we have portmanteau words, which I believe were invented by Lewis Carroll. Um, like channel is the channel tunnel. And um, you take two words and you put them together to form a new word. And that, that's a fairly recent phenomenon in the English language. But and, you can make quite a, a long list. A very pertinent example is Brexit. Correct. <laughs> Yeah, I read yeah. recently that one country that might consider leaving the EU is the Czech Republic, and uh, there is a, a word for their leaving, and it's not Czechs it, it's check out. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and uh, people are talking about check out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
Another one of my favorite words is circumlocution. And that's using too many words and expressing an idea in more words than are necessary, roundabout speech. It comes from the Latin circum, around, and locutus, spoken. But Charles Dickens invented this word. He invented the circumlocution office in his novel, Little Dorrit. And it's very nice as well if you look at the origins of words in the English language. And you'll find Chaucer invented well over 2,000 of them. Shakespeare invented about 1,500. And Dickens brought quite a lot in. Dickens probably invented more strange names than any other novelist that's ever written. You know, he loved the, it. He the, loved his name. The characters Martin in Dickens have wonderful names. Yeah. So, yeah, Barnaby Rodge, yeah. Martin Chuzzlewit. All of right, the, yeah. the, he, he spent Sarah a Gant, long time yeah. on, on, on his names. Yeah. Of course, you say Chaucer invented those words. What you really mean is he was the first one to write them down. They may have been in common circulation, mm, but no I, one else had written them down before he did. And similarly, was that's a good point. But I would reckon they, they actually invented them. They yes, he inv certainly invented. Shakespeare certainly invented some of his. In Ireland, we talk about clodhoppers. It's a humorous name for a rustic or a country dweller who can't afford a horse or carriage and has to avoid the water and mud by hopping from clod to clod. A clodhopper. And they say that you can tell people of very humble rural origins by the way they walk because they never put their weight down on their feet. They're always jumping or hopping from one place to the other <laughs> to avoid the mud and the water. It's true. It's a peculiar type of walk I notice in, in a lot of rural people in Ireland. Um, I think it's time to reveal the answers to the puzzles from the last episode when I okay, gave you. You uh, go ahead. There were two. One was what word starts with seven consonants? and ends with nine and the word is strychnine and strychnine starts with s-t-r-y-c-h-n which is seven separate consonants and then it ends with n-i-n-e which is the nine so it's a wonderful word because you can ask that question of it and um, it's also one of agatha christie's favorite uh, ingredients in her novels and something yeah. which you don't get to use very often yeah well, she was trained in chemistry, wasn't she? And she, she was. knew all about poisons. Yeah. yeah, she was an expert on chemistry. Mm -hmm. And which country, uh, six with only six letters, has seven numbers in it? And the answer is Mexico. So it's got M, which is a thousand. It's got X, which is ten. It's got XI, which is eleven. It's got C, which is a hundred. It's got IC, which is ninety-nine. It's got uh, O, which is a zero. It's got E, which is a, an irrational number, and it's got I, the square root of minus yeah. one. So it's got a whole collection of mathematics. That must, be a re that must be a record. It must be a record, yes. So wonderful. Puzzle I'm going to leave you with for the next episode, and we'll tell you on the next episode, is your task is to find an anagram, a single word anagram, of the classroom. And if you take the classroom, which is 12 letters, you can form a single word anagram of something which might be found in the classroom. That's good. I know that one. That's good. A couple more words and then we'll have to finish off the, the yeah. golfer. Well, th there's a whole subculture of words that comes from down under from the Australian continent. And there are whole dictionaries of Australian words, most of them quite Barry McKenzie, most of them quite vulgar. And, and one I like very much is chunder. And Chandra came about from people on the old ships going to Australia. And if people felt sick at sea, they would have to sort of be sick out to the window. But they, in courtesy, they would warn the people on the decks below that something was going to happen. And they'd shout, Chandra, which means watch under, something's going to happen. <laughs>
<laughs> Keep your head out. You may, you may regret it. Um, I like the word crackberry, which is a term for a person addicted to using their blackberry. You don't see quite so many blackberries anymore. But uh, 10, 15 years ago, they were, they were the most common form of mobile phone before the iPhone took over. And uh, people loved using them, sending emails. And a crackberry was somebody, an addict, who was uh, addicted not to crack, but to his blackberry. We've talked about a lot of vulgar words and a lot of words for funny concepts, but we should also talk about beautiful words. And one of my very favorite beautiful words is crepuscular, which means referring to twilight. And crepusculum is the Latin for twilight. So I think beautiful words can be very, very comforting. And we should maybe use beautiful words a little more often. Uh, crepuscular is a beautiful word, but a word which sounds very ugly and is close to it is crapulence. Yeah. <laughs> and crapulence sounds a terrible thing, but it's sickness caused by excessive drinking. Well, you and speak when, from experience, obviously. <laughs> <I do, so. laughs> yes. when, when you're hungover, you feel crapulent. Uh, yeah. So it's a good, good term to use when your teenagers had too much to drink. You're looking rather crapulent. <laughs> okay, do you want me to put you out of, out of your misery with the, yes, with the golf Yes, two identical yes. twins. I'm I, I really struggling with this. Yeah, um, yeah. So tell me the answer, please. Dave. Well, he notices that one of them has a deep suntan and the other is very pale skinned. And he reckons that the guy with the deep suntan spends most of his time on the fairway, whereas the pale guy spends most of his time in the woods searching for lost balls. Or in the shop. Yes. Very good. Very good. All right. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Yes. Good one. Okay. So we've left listeners with the puzzle, which is the classroom. You've got to find an anagram of the classroom. And we've given them some words to chew over. And if you like these words, I'm sure you will love the book. One, two, three, four. Wacky, witty and wonderful words by Paul Sloan and Des McHale. Thank you, Des. Bye.